Good morning, everybody. We are going to get started. Thank you all for coming. It's good to see you. I'm Troy Swanson, the library department chair. And this is our final um, lecture in our STEM series for the fall. Uh, this series is, is really put together by Keith Nabb, and he could not be here today um, in the math department. But they do really good work emphasizing um, different careers and thinking in terms of the science, technology, engineering, uh, mathematics fields. So this is uh, the last one. So thank you for coming. Thanks to the math department and Keith for organizing this. And I will introduce our speaker. Uh, Maria Schaff is a quantitative analyst who provides hedging services for mutual funds at Milliman Financial Risk Management. Uh, she graduated with a degree in mathematics from Northwestern University and a certificate in financial um, economics from the Kellogg School of Management. I want to thank her for her time. She just flew in today, this morning, from Atlanta with her luggage, like literally came from airport to us. So I appreciate her fitting us in her schedule and giving us of her time. So with that, here's Maria. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so can everyone hear me all right? Yeah, yeah perfect. Um, so yeah, just, just so you're all aware, you know, I got about three hours of sleep last night. I had to wake up at four. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day so far. Um, so I'm, I'm really very flattered to, to have been invited for this. Uh, it's really quite a nice honor. Um, and I'll tell you about my story. I'll tell you about actuarial science. I'll tell you about all the wonderful things that we can do uh, by using math and, and kind of uh, combining that with a lot of creativity, honestly. Um, to, to answer problems that our society really, uh, you know, needs to answer in order to prosper. Um, and I will, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my, uh, my educational background. Uh, I think you'll find that I'm very similar to many of you, uh, which, is, which is maybe a little bit surprising. And I'll tell you about uh, the things that I do currently. So, um, you know, this, this is my background. Um, like Troy was saying, I have a, a degree in math. It's, it's pure math. I never um, went to an actuarial uh, program at school. At Northwestern, we actually did not have one. Um, so I mostly studied math. Uh, my focus was in stochastic processes and um, uh, abstract algebra, uh, if anyone knows those things. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful things to study. Um, and then my last year, actually, because I had, I, I had finished all of my math um, courses and I had a, you know, essentially a math degree, um, I had the opportunity to study at the Kellogg School of Management, which is the business school at Northwestern. Um, it really is one of the, one of the best business schools, uh, I would say, in the U.S. Um, and they offer this, uh, this small certificate program uh, only for undergraduates that are currently enrolled um, at Northwestern. And you can kind of pick if you want to do the managerial side of an MBA or if you want to do the finance side. I picked the finance side. Um, and that was, that was one of the best programs that I've ever uh, participated in. If any of you are uh, you know, considering Northwestern as, uh, as a place to, to uh, you know, further your undergraduate career after, after you're finished with uh, Moraine, then absolutely let me know and I will talk to you. I will, I will talk your ear off <laughs> um, about this one. But so let me, let me take myself back about five or six years. And actually, when I first started as an undergrad um, in my freshman year, uh, I was at a community college. Uh, I was at Wilbur Wright College, which is, um, I think, a much, much smaller college than yours. Um, it's somewhere on the northwest side of, of Chicago. Um, it's part of the uh, Chicago uh, City Colleges. Um, it, was, it was a pretty good school, and I think uh, all of the things that I learned there are probably available to you here as well. Um, and you have a much more beautiful campus. 
Uh, so you, it, you know, really looking at, at, at what you're getting here, I think you have a, a much better start uh, than, than I did really. You have a lot of resources here on campus and I really encourage you to, to, to try to use them as best you can. Um, at least so far, I've met two of your professors. They're awesome. <laughs> um, so I currently work uh, in the portfolio management group at Milliman. Uh, Milliman's, uh, you know, I would say a global uh, leader in actuarial consulting. Uh, we're probably, we're, we're not the biggest actuarial consulting firm out there, but we are generally considered to be the most sophisticated. Um, so I've, I've been full-time with Milliman uh, since 2013, which is after I graduated from Northwestern. Um, before that, I actually uh, had two internships at, at Milliman, so I've technically been with them since 2011. Um, particularly in my senior year, I worked uh, in our office about two or three days a week. Um, so that, that's something that really contributed um, to my career, my integration in our office, like way before uh, I ended up being a full-time hire. Uh, those are, I'll, I'll talk to you about internships a lot. Uh, I, I cannot emphasize how important internships are for actuaries. Um, what I do is I design and implement uh, investment and hedging strategies for mutual funds. I know that sounds complicated, uh, but it's, um, it's, it's a very um, pretty typical thing that uh, actuaries do. It's definitely new. Um, in fact, our service, our fund services initiative, uh, we launched that in 2011. So prior to 2011, we had you know, no clients, no assets under management. Uh, when I started full-time in 2013, we had about 25 billion of assets and, and several funds in the market. Um, that, was, that was pretty exciting. And nowadays, we're, we're north of 75 billion. Uh, and we're, we're getting there towards about 100 funds, I think. So we're, we're pretty proud of, of our group and what we've achieved in the market, really. Um, okay. So what are actuaries? This, literally, I went yesterday to the Society of Actuaries uh, webpage. This is the homepage. Can you see that title? That's the first thing that appears on the, like, the main hub on the internet that talks about actuaries. Nobody knows what actuaries do. They're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> um, so I think maybe part of the reason why people don't know what actuaries do is because we tend to answer that by saying that we solve difficult problems and we uh, you know, employ this, this wide variety of skills like quantitative analysis and predictive modeling and financial engineering. And I could go down this list. Do you know any of those words? <laughs> it's kind of hard. These are, these are big words. They're all English words. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's a very opaque way of explaining what we do. Uh, we do use all of these things. You know, we, we do a lot of business development. We do a lot of data management. Data management has been really kind of the, the driving uh, thing in the, in, the, in the past few years. Uh, trying to figure out what to do with all this data is, is very, very important. Um, so, you know, I, I personally work a lot with uh, financial engineering. That's just the, the nature of the service that I provide for our clients. So uh, all of these are valid things to say about actuaries. They're just really opaque. Um, so in, in simpler words, uh, we try to answer difficult questions. So think about you know, an insurance company that would like to, to sell car insurance. I think that's a very typical product. Uh, it's probably about the most basic thing uh, that you could think of. Um, and they're trying to figure out how much do they charge for car insurance? How, how much should you charge to be competitive but to cover your costs and make some profit? Uh, can you give some people discounts? 
how much can you discount you know, various people? What are the things that you need to look at to do that? And then once you actually have that, you gotta figure out how much capital you need to put aside to make sure that you're able to cover all of those costs in the future because all of these people that now you just sold car insurance to will have accidents that you'll have to pay for. Um, in a slightly um, you know, different field, pension actuaries uh, do a lot of work and, and pensions are, are one of those things that you have to be very socially responsible about. Uh, you know, pe people's livelihood really does depend on it. Um, so one of the things that you could try to figure out is how can you, uh, you know, take a pension fund and invest the assets of that pension fund such that you're not, um, you know, overexposing the pension beneficiaries to a lot of risk uh, or to major losses. Uh, those can be very, very detrimental to, you know, a pension plan uh, and its beneficiaries. Um, another thing that's maybe a little bit newer uh, that actuaries do, uh, particularly, uh, I would say, you know, probably, uh, health and, and medical insurance, uh, things have taken off you know, tremendously in the past uh, you know, five, five years, I would say, maybe. Um, and in the past, maybe it wasn't quite as much of a, a, a worry to us, but it's, it's really one of the fields that's become very, very relevant, and it's probably one of the fastest growing as well. Um, so what, how can you figure out which medical procedures you should cover? Right, there are, there are some medical procedures that you, know, you need to cover because they're, they're just basic. Uh, care that you have to make sure that your uh, your insureds have access to, but then maybe there are some procedures that are wasteful, and when you cover them, people just tend to, to do those procedures and not really have better experience later in life and not really improve their health. Um, so how do you figure all these things out? Well, actuaries figure these things out. Um, so th the next thing I really want to talk about is, is some common misconceptions about actuaries. These are some of the things we don't do. Uh, we do not work with birds. <laughs> we don't underwrite insurance. Um, we cannot predict when any one of you in particular will die. Uh, that's not what we do. <laughs> not now. <laughs> um, we don't you know, sit at our desks and work on our calculators all day and solve integrals. Um, that's, that's not really what we do. We kind of build a lot of complicated models that can do all that calculation for us. and. Um, we, you know, we're not sitting there trying to solve probability puzzles all the time. Um, and th this last one is really kind of a joke that gets, gets thrown around all the time, you know, that actuaries are accountants, but they just, they just didn't have the personality for it. You know, they really tried it, but it didn't work. Um, <laughs> and then another thing that I tried again yesterday as I was preparing this, uh, <laughs> I tried going to Google and just, just typing in actuaries are and see what the, uh, what the suggestions are going to be. So apparently we're evil, boring, but we're also kind of smart, maybe. Totally overpaid, but maybe we're hot. <laughs> that could be cool. We have that going for us, right? Um, so there's, there's a lot of misconceptions about actuaries, and I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, the things that I tell you today will we'll, we'll try to clear up the picture. And if you have any questions, uh, please just stop me. Raise your hand. I'm more than happy to answer questions. Okay, so here are some of the reasons why <clears throat> I think an actuarial career is, is a really, really good career. So part of it is it's actually very rewarding work. Um, what we do ensures that 
really vital systems in our society work. So for example, um, try to imagine what it would be like if nobody ever had, like there was no such thing as car insurance. So whenever you went driving, you maybe, you know, hopped in your car to come over to class and, and maybe listen to my speech. Um, you're exposing yourself every single day to a loss of like $10,000, $20,000, depending on what car you have, obviously. And there's nothing you can do to pay for it. So if you ever get in, a, in an accident and your car gets totaled, you're in the hole for $10,000 every single time. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing any other people can do about it. That would be really catastrophic to our society. It's, it's hard to imagine because we have these things, we've had these services around for such a long time. Um, but there, there is a time in the past when these things were not available um, and, and people were exposed to, to so much more downward mobility. Um, downward mobility in, in society is kind of being exposed to really kind of falling in status um, in society. So going from someone who's middle class to say someone who's homeless and poor um, because maybe you, you had a loss or an accident. Um, so those are some of the things that insurance tries to, to fix for us. Another way you can think of insurance is as a wealth transfer. So let's say we're talking about um, property insurance. Let's say you, you own a house and you want to make sure that, you know, if your house burns down, um, you're not left homeless, basically. So let's say, you know, um, you're going to, let's say you pay for property insurance for about 50 years. Um, so what you're doing is every year for 50 years, you put aside uh, a small amount of money. Like, I don't know, I don't know what uh, property insurance costs, but let's say it's $500 every year that you're paying for your property insurance. So what you're essentially doing by buying that insurance is let's say 50 of those years, you, you, you know, you live in the house for 50 years and 49 of those years are perfectly fine, but the one year when you have a fire, life doesn't, doesn't look that good. So what you're doing essentially, you're putting aside $500 every year and you're transferring it to yourself, to that self who has to deal with a burnt down house. That's, that's another thing that's really, um, you know, kind of a, a good way to look at insurance and a good way to, to understand why insurance is important. Um, okay, the other thing that I really love about actuarial work, um, and this depends, this depends on, you know, kind of what level of actuarial work you do, uh, but I really think of it as a creative process. A lot of the time we actually have to answer questions that have never been answered before. Um, believe it or not, actually, um, Millman, be because we're a leader in the industry, we often have to answer those questions. Um, we are the people that, you know, governments come to, uh, that huge multinational uh, companies come to when they have a problem and they don't know how to fix it. Um, that's, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Now, even though that is true, <laughs> um, I definitely consider actuarial work to be a pretty low-stress job. Um, most actuaries are pretty laid-back people. Uh, they're very friendly. Uh, they don't like to look you in the eye or, you know, like <laughs> that's really intimidating. Um, but they're, they're, they're generally pretty happy people. And if you, look at, um, if you look at any surveys about job satisfaction, you'll generally find that actuaries are pretty happy with their job. Um, now, I do, I do have a caveat on this one. There are so many insurance companies, so many consulting companies, so many disciplines uh, where you can work as an actuary. You can do, you know, like I said, car insurance pricing, or you can help casinos in Vegas figure out where to put their slot machines so that people spend more pennies or, 
something like that. So that there's a very varied uh, uh, array of services that you could provide as an actuary. The point is that you have to find the right service and the right company and the right group to work with that suits your strengths. If you're not in the right group, you'll often fi find yourself miserable because you feel that your job is maybe boring or you're not doing the things that are challenging to you, you're not, or maybe things are too challenging. Um, all of those things will happen. If you find yourself in that situation, don't give up on actuarial science. You're still in a good field. You still have a lot of opportunity in front of you. And if you've already kind of put a lot of time to, to become an actuary, it would be really a shame to just, to just throw that out the door because you're unhappy with your coworkers. Um, and that'll happen, it'll happen. Um, I, for example, I work in a consulting firm. Um, I don't think I'd be happy at an insurance company. I think I would find that boring. I don't think that I would feel um, as challenged as I do now. I really love working with clients. I, work, I love you know, uh, talking to people and, and trying to fix specific problems for specific people. Now, insurance actually do that too, but they don't have a contact with their end client. Um, so for me, that's not as motivating. It's much easier for me to be motivated when I know who is benefiting uh, directly from the things that I do. Um, okay, the, my, uh, my second to last point on this is um, you can really, sorry, go ahead. Um, a lot of things are big, big and interesting. Uh, we do, um, so essentially what we do is um, we have uh, an array of mutual funds where people can invest money to save for their re retirement. And what you want to do with those funds is you want to make sure that those funds are not uh, exposing their investors to too much risk and that they're you know, properly allocated such that um, large losses are unlikely. Um, so, you know, one of the last things that I've worked on is figuring out a new way to, uh, to implement that and, to, and to, um, to bring that to a new field, basically. Um, I, it's hard to talk about these things without, without getting too technical. Um, so I'll, I'll maybe, like, if you, if you really want to hear more about it, I would love to talk to you one-on-one -on -one and I'll tell you all about actual securities trading and <laughs> Uh, um, and all those, all of those good things. But I feel, actually, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Does anyone in the room uh, have any have any experience? Can, could you identify actual securities that are traded in the market? One person, fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's kind of it's um, it's a it's very specialized work. Um, okay. So I'll I'll talk to you later. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I feel is really really important for actuaries is that you can drive your own progress very independently because we have the certification um, uh, process where you can take all of these exams and uh, you know that there's an outside entity that allows you to opine on, on actuarial things, which is really important. Uh, that, that kind of really gives you the, the legal power to, to perform as an actuary uh, and to, to perform these services. That's very, very important because you don't depend on anyone to take those exams. You can take those, I studied for those exams in my free time. Um, they're really, really interesting exams. You can study for them on your own. There are lots of study materials out there and we'll go through a lot of that. Um, and it's really something that you can do, like uh, I was 
you know, just earlier I was talking to Troy about this, but say, say you, you know, you're in a different field, say you want to be a lawyer. Really, the only thing you can do to become a lawyer is go to law school. You need that law degree, which is going to cost you a lot of money, uh, and it's going to take a long time. And, uh, you know, even after that, you have to pa pass your bar exam, and so it's a, it's a very lengthy process that you can't really do in increments. The actuarial exams you can do in small increments. You can take one exam, you can take a couple exams, you can get some internships, you can get some work experience, uh, and you don't you don't have to take, you know, six years or ten years or uh, you know usually exams take about ten years I think for people, uh, but you don't have to you know study for ten years before you can actually do any work. Yes. Yes, it is. Should I repeat the question for the room? So uh, she's asking how many exams are necessary before you can get an internship as an, as an actuary. Uh, internships, again, I will go through this later. You guys are way ahead of me. Um, internships are very important. Um, I know people who have gotten internships without taking any exams. Um, that used to be a thing that they did in the past. It's not done so much anymore. Most of the time, people will need to take one or two exams. When I had my first internship, I had two exams passed. Um, but I do think two exams are a little bit, um, a little bit special. You know, kind of having walked into the interview room with two exams passed, they looked at me as being, uh, you know, a little bit above the fray. <laughs> um, so two, two exams is fantastic. Um, with one exam, you can definitely get internships. There are definitely internships that, that you will be very seriously considered for with one exam. Um, so the, the last point that I really wanted to, to make here is because you can, you can do all, this, all these things on your own, this happens to be a really, really good career for women. And I'm, I'm very happy to see that there's a lot of girls here. Um, most of the time, I, I feel that you know, in, in, in STEM fields, uh, we kind of have a really, really hard time getting girls through the door. Um, it, it's still something that we're, we're working on, uh, I think, uh, as, as a society and, and in general. I think, you know, American universities are, are really doing a good job uh, of, of making that progress work and happen. Um, but actual um, firms are actually very, very well suited for, for women. They've actually made a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of effort to make sure that the work environment and the benefits that you receive as a working actuary are in fact appropriate for women. Uh, I think that's pretty special. Not a lot of industries can say that. Um, okay, and then you know the, the, the final and pretty important thing uh, is that you you know your efforts are generally appreciated and you get rewarded like pretty pretty well. Um, okay, but like how well? Um, so this is um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with D.W. Simpson, but they are probably. Uh, one of the biggest recruiting companies uh, out there that work specifically for actuaries. So what they do is they help a lot of actuaries get jobs, which means they have a lot of data on salaries. So they compile this, um, this actuarial salary survey. Um, I think they do this once a year. Um, this was the 2014 one. Um, and what you can see here is, depending on how many exams you've taken before you actually apply for a, a full-time entry-level position, um, your your salary would generally vary somewhere between, you know, 55 and what's that upper bound like 62. 
thousand dollars, which is which is pretty good. But then you can also see that actually there's plenty of people that get right up there around seventy. So even even with two exams, there are plenty of people that start a full-time job with seventy thousand um, dollars. Bonuses that would be the red line, and actually bonuses are uh, on average pretty low for for uh, just you know entry-level people. Um, but it does depend a lot, as you can tell. You know, it kind of goes from you know close to a zero to about ten or eleven thousand uh, dollars, which is also pretty significant. Um, and then another thing that's really important to consider is uh, your outlook for lifetime earnings. Um, you know, it's, it's all good and great if you start with a good salary, but can you maintain that? Is that going to grow throughout your career? Well, apparently it does. Uh, so um, there are plenty of people who, you know, who've been actuaries for 20 years, 30 years, uh, who make, uh, you know, pretty pretty impressive sums. So on average, they're somewhere between 200 and 300 um, thousand dollars a year. But then you can absolutely see that there are a couple of people. Um, you know, this this is just for the past year, but there are a couple of people who have managed to make about half a million dollars uh, with, you know, less than. 20 years of experience, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, another point that's really, uh, really important to notice uh, on this graph is if you kind of look at all those lines uh, and you try to figure out when, those, when all of those people kind of cross the 100,000 mark in their career, you will notice that that's usually before they hit five years of experience. So I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, what that means is that if you, you know, graduate from your undergrad degree when you're like 22, maybe 23, maybe you're a little bit older. Some of you, I'm sure, are a little bit older, uh, but I, I also see some very young faces here. Um, so, you know, let's say you're, you're starting your actual career when you're, uh, you know, in, before you hit 25. What that means is that most likely by the time you're 30, you'll be earning 100K. Um, so, you know, hopefully that, that got some of you interested, right? <laughs> Um, so here are some of the things that you can do, uh, you know, to, to get yourself on your way to becoming an actuary. They're pretty basic things. I imagine you probably thought about some of these yourself. Um, so the first thing you want to do is you want to get an, uh, an undergrad degree. Then you want to do some stuff while you're, you're getting that degree too. So I have a math degree. Um, I have people that I work with who have an econ degree or a finance degree. Um, I even have someone who has a public policy degree, uh, which you wouldn't think that's uh, particularly actuarial, but he's doing a fantastic job and, and he's one of the people that I work with the most actually in our group. Um, there's also these things called actuarial science programs. So one of the best actually that you probably have available to you, uh, given that you're, you're in Chicago, or you know, around Chicago, um, is the U of I program. They have an excellent, absolutely excellent actuarial science program. Um, we hire so many people that finish uh, that program. It's it's unbelievable. There are, there are just dozens and dozens of people in, in our office who who've been to U of I, and um, they they do amazing work. So it's also U of I is probably a really good option uh, if you're considering costs. Um, I think some, some of your other options, if you really want to go for an actuarial uh, science program in, in this area would be like, I think Roosevelt and Loyola both have them. 
Uh, I think those are both, I, I don't know any figures or anything like that, but I think both of those are significantly more expensive to go to than U of I. Um, okay, the next point, obviously, take the exams. <laughs> take them early. Um, I would say try not to finish uh, your undergrad with less than two exams. If you have two exams, you, you'll be fine, as, as you saw in the graph. People make pretty good money with uh, starting out with two exams too. Um, but I can tell you from personal experience, it gets so much harder passing exams once you're actually working. Um, you have no idea how much free time you have right now. Um, this is the time to try to take the exams. <laughs> um, I, I actually, I started my full-time, uh, I think I probably mentioned this like five times. Uh, I started my full-time career with three exams passed. Currently, I have four <laughs> and it's been two years. Um, in the meantime, I've, I've also taken a CFA exam, so there, you know, stuff has happened and I've been working a lot, but you do not realize how little time you have left when you're working full-time to actually you know, go home and, and dive into these topics, and they're pretty hard exams. Um, so it, it really try to take advantage of the time that you have now. Um, I, I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, okay, the, the next thing, which, uh, which has already been brought up, of course, um, is actuarial internships. Um, try to do a variety of actuarial internships. I did two different um, disciplines. Um, I found that to be very, very important. Um, you can kind of pick and choose what you do. Try, if, if you started out and you did an internship and you're kind of thinking about what to do next year, try to go to a different company. Uh, unless you really love your company, I went to the same. I've, I've been with Melman, you know, ever since I, I got my first growing up job. Um, so, you know, if, if you really love your company, stay, obviously. Um, but if you're maybe a little ambivalent and you're maybe not quite sure you know what else is out there, try other things. Uh, it's only a summer. Internships look fantastic on resumes, uh, especially if they're, uh, you know, if they're, they're pretty interesting internships with pretty good companies. A lot of companies hire uh, interns for various, various things. Um, so try to do a couple of things. Uh, you'll figure out if you like it or not. You should, after you've been working at it for, for three months, you know, after you're done for a summer, you should be able to say, I like this or I don't like this, okay? Uh, it's a really good way to, to build professional experience, even if later on you don't end up being an actuary. So say you take two internships uh, when, when you're an undergrad, um, but then you, you just don't like it that much. It's, you know, that's not the thing for you. And you go into something else, whatever that may be. Looking at someone's resume, if you see that they've done some actuarial work, but you're in a field that doesn't require quite as much quantitative work, you're very likely to, to, to consider that person a good candidate. You know, even though they did not maybe succeed at being an actuary, they probably did some pretty heavy stuff. Like, there, there's a lot of heavy lifting that goes around in actuarial internships, and I don't mean that literally, obviously. Um, so it's always something good to see on resumes. Particularly, even actuarial firms sometimes hire people for non-actuarial jobs. And it's really good to see that someone has that experience. Okay? Uh, and the last two things that are very, very important is try to build a network of peers. I don't know if you have an actuarial club uh, here. If you don't, just start it. It doesn't take that much effort, and it's so much easier to study for exams when you have a couple of people uh, who have gone through them, who understand them, uh, you know, someone to just, to just study problems with every once in a while. Um, it's really, really good to, to know people who are going through the same experience. 
you learn a lot from each other. Um, you learn a lot about different companies. Maybe you go and you take internships at different companies and you'll, you'll have that experience and you'll have that evidence, that first-hand evidence uh, that maybe a company's like really good to work for and maybe you'll, you'll try for their internship next year, okay? Um, and then the, the last and very important thing and you, you probably cannot imagine how important this is for, for your you know, long-term career, uh, try to find mentors. Mentors are some of the most influential people that you'll have in your life ever. These people change literally the course of your life. Um, so try to just talk to real actuaries. Uh, you know, when, when you're doing internships, uh, even if it's not your field, even if, if you're not happy with what you're doing and uh, you, know, you decide it's, it's not for the long term, try to keep in touch with those people. You don't know when uh, they might move to a different company or you might you know, kind of revise your goals. Um, try to keep in touch with those people, make a good impression. Make sure that when, when anyone goes back to a former employer of yours, that employer will sell, say good things about you. I cannot emphasize how important that is. Okay? All right, so the actual exams. <laughs> um, this may take a while. I don't just mean because the internet is slow. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, essentially, you know, in, in your path to becoming an actuary, there are several things that you can attain. The lowest uh, certification that you can attain is an ASA. Um, I'll note before we go into this that this applies to the Society of Actuaries. There's another casualty actuarial society that's roughly equivalent, but they work with like property and casualty insurance. So they work with like car insurance, malpractice, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, we work more with um, kind of financial products, life insurance, um, annuities are, are a big one. Uh, does anyone here know what annuities are? Or am I throwing strange words out there? Uh, so annuities are sort of kind of like a pension where you, you buy an annuity product and uh, the person you bought that from you know, takes your money, invests it into some stuff, and then they pay you a fixed amount or a variable amount. There's lots of annuities out there. Like I said, actuaries are very creative. Um, and then they pay you, you know, a certain amount for many years in the future. So a lot like a pension. Um, okay, so for, you know, for people in, in this field, if you're, in, if you're thinking about property and casualty, if you're, you have your eyes set on like State Farm or Allstate or, or one of those guys, uh, this largely applies. There are a couple of differences. There are a couple of different exams. Um, but it, the, the path is very, very similar. Um, so, you know, just um, if you, if you want to talk more about it, we can absolutely go through a little bit more detail uh, if that's your interest. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to be here, uh, you know, well after uh, 12. So, you know, if, if anyone has questions and they want to talk about something on one-on-one, -on -one, I'm definitely here. I can, I can help you, maybe. <laughs> Um, okay, so these are the, the preliminary requirements for the ASA. Um, these three things, these are all exams. These are the first two exams, which are the easiest. You're going to have the easiest time taking these exams. You should start with these two. You're going to have a very hard time progressing to these if you haven't passed P and FM. Um, so P is a probability exam. That's traditionally the number one exam. 
I took that the first. I definitely found FM to be significantly easier. Um, FM doesn't involve that much calculus. Um, so maybe that's, that's one thing to consider. I think nowadays a lot of people just take FM first and then move on to P. Um, that's perfectly fine. FM is financial mathematics. Um, so FM is mostly about time value of money. Uh, so how can you value a, an amount of money that you're about to receive in the future? How do you, how do you figure out what that's worth to you today? Um, that's essentially what that is. Um, and it's, it's really interesting stuff. It applies a lot to insurance and it, it applies a lot to annuities. Um, like I, I mentioned before, um, it's, it's pretty interesting. And FM, I would say, is probably the most accessible uh, in terms of just, just the math that you'll have to do. Um, I definitely recommend starting with that one. Uh, P is a little bit more involved. You'll have to do some multivariable uh, calculus on that exam. Uh, by the time that you're passing P, you can do integrals in your head. It's really cool. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, then another thing that you really want to get started on right now is VEs. VEs, I, I think that stands for validation, hold on, by educational experience. Thank God it's on the screen. Um, so what you'll have to do is essentially you'll have to take some courses in college that count towards your, your ASA uh, credential. Uh, and those courses are, um, you'll, you'll need to take a, a macro and micro econ class. Um, that's, that's pretty standard. I'm pretty sure um, it, there's, there's an actual place that you can go online and check which courses are actually approved to, to satisfy these requirements at your school. I'm absolutely sure you have them at your school and they are approved. Uh, it's unbelievable how vast their, their network is. Um, so many, many schools that are, you know, smaller than you would imagine are on that list. Um, so econ, take some econ courses. Um, then you want to take some statistics courses. I think some of you are actually taking a statistics course right now, right? Good. Um, so do some statistics. That's a, that's a really good thing, uh, almost regardless of what field you go into. If, you're, if you want to go in a field that's pretty quantitative, uh, maybe STEMish. <laughs> Um, if you want to go in those fields, study your statistics. It's, it's crucial. Understanding statistics is really crucial to being able to, uh, you know, translate data and numbers into real consequences. Okay? Um, so that's, that's the second one. Well, they're not, they're not in any particular order, really. Um, and the last one is um, corporate finance. Um, so that's... Um, that's probably going to be a little bit, uh, I'm not sure if you have that here. Some community colleges don't, don't really offer a lot of finance courses. Uh, so that might, be, that might be something that you do maybe in your junior or, or senior year. Um, okay. Then these, these core exams uh, that are here in the middle, uh, these are going to be the hardest in, in, this, in this whole series. These exams are going to be pretty difficult. MFE is Models for Financial um, Economics. Um, essentially what that is, is securities, like derivative security pricing. Um, it's, it's some pretty difficult stuff. Um, I would say that's maybe the most challenging exam in the series, in, in the preliminary series, um, just because of, of, of the math you'll have to do. Uh, it's my favorite, my absolute favorite, and I use that stuff every day. Um, it's really, really useful. Um, MLC is models for life contingencies. 
is also a pretty good exam. It's very, very applicable to uh, people who work in life insurance. Uh, it tells you all about how to, how to value life insurance, how to reserve for it. Reserves are uh, kind of capital requirements that states impose on insurance companies. Uh, so if, if you sell some, some policies, uh, some insurance policies, then you have to you know, hold aside some capital um, to, to make sure that you, you don't become insolvent because of the claims from those policies. Uh, and those are very heavily regulated and it's, it's very, very important to, uh, you know, for insurance companies to stay on top of that. Um, there's, you know, the worst thing you could do as an insurance company is, uh, is mess your reserves up, basically. Um, and then exam C is construction and evaluation of actuarial models. Um, this is a little bit more vague. Um, it's essentially um, lots and lots of methods to figure out what you can do with the numbers that you've calculated in the other two exams um, and how, how much you can trust those numbers, um, how much you can rely on them, should you, um, you know, kind of make adjustments to those numbers because they're maybe not that credible, um, that kind of thing. So it's, th this one's um, very, um, very applied. This one's a very applied, very, um, you have to kind of follow a lot of methodologies uh, and stuff like that. Uh, but exam C is actually um, probably not as challenging as the other, the other ones. You're not really finding any you're probably not gonna learn any, like if you've, if you've passed MLC and MFE, uh, in exam C, you're probably not gonna learn any new concepts, uh, which is really nice. You're just learning what to do with the things you already have. Um, okay, FAP is Fundamentals of Actuarial Practice. Um, this is, um, this is again a, a very, very applied uh, module. It, it takes several months, it's an online module. Uh, it takes most people, yeah, probably about half a year uh, to get through that, you'll have to write some papers. Um, I call them papers, but they're essentially you'll, ha you'll have to put together an actuarial, actuarial report. Um, so these are, these are very, very useful because they actually teach you, you know, kind of how to do your work as an actuary, not just how to calculate stuff, not just how to figure out if, it, if the stuff you calculated is important, but how to present it to a client, how to make sure that your work is, in fact, uh, kind of ethically presented and you're not misleading anyone. Uh, on anything, and you're you're representing things, uh, you know, very accurately and concisely, and you're not introducing any, um, uh, you're not introducing any, uh, you know, doubtful things in there. Um, and then this very last thing is um, this this is uh, probably the, you know the most uh, the most simple thing to do. This is like a half-day course, I think, that you go to, that, you know, talk about some important things. Uh, and then they, you know, stamp you and you're, you're done. <laughs> um, so that's, that's one thing that people generally do after they finished every, everything else. You just kind of fly out to, they usually have it a couple of places uh, every year. So you gotta go to whatever location they have it in. Uh, you spend a half a day there, you talk to a bunch of, um, you know, older actuaries and get to know them a little bit. And um, that's about it. It's more like a big party. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's the ASA. Um, now the next thing that most people really wanna do is they wanna get their FSA, which is kind of the, the, the highest, um, you know, most important thing you could do as an actuary. Many, many people actually equate an ASA with roughly getting a PhD um, in terms of the amount of work that it takes, 
the importance that it has uh, in terms of increasing your, your overall compensation over your lifetime. Um, it's, it's a pretty involved process. So first you have to have your ASA. And then, so ASA stands for associateship. Uh, FSA stands for fellow of the Society of Actuaries. So that's, that's kind of your, your uh, most, most accredited actuaries out there. And I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail with this. I'm, I'm sure many of you are falling asleep by now. Um, there's lots of different tracks that you can follow. And most of these tracks usually have, um, you know, a couple of exams, probably two or three exams and another two or three modules. This is working perfectly. Yeah, I'm not sure why that's uh, not displaying. Sorry about that. Um, the tr these tracks, uh, the, you know, the really good thing about these is that they are, in fact, very, very applied. So the things that you'll do for your, uh, for your FSA certification are essentially going to be the things that you do at your job. Um, so some, some people really enjoy these a lot more uh, than, the, than the preliminary exams, which are very, very general. And a lot of the time, you, you know, you're kind of taking these five exams and you're maybe using one of them or, or a little bit of the other ones, but, but mostly you're kind of your, your practice area is um, dependent on just one of those exams. Okay. Um, so let's, let's move on a little bit. Um, if you need to know more about uh, FSA tracks and, and all that stuff, we can, we can go through it and I can, you know, hopefully the, the actual display will work later. <laughs> um, so, you know, the things that you can do right now is try to gear your, co your coursework so that it helps you uh, if you're trying to become an, actuaries, an actuary. Um, so obviously you gotta take some math courses. <laughs> you're not gonna get, get away without those. Um, start with calculus. Uh, I'm sure you guys have like Calc 1 and 2. Uh, probably many of you have already taken that. Um, linear algebra is a really good one. Uh, differential equations become important later on. They're not necessary for your first two exams. Um, geometric and uh, arithmetic series are very, very important for time value of money. So make sure you, you, you know your geometric formulas uh, before you start working on FM, okay? That second exam is going to take a lot of uh, series work. Okay, uh, and then the, the one thing that I have underlined on here is probability. I cannot emphasize how important probability is. Um, you need to have the right mindset for probability. It's one of those things that you're kind of, you, it's really hard, you don't get it, you don't get it, you don't get it, and then one day it clicks. And you finally have the right mindset to approach probability problems. Um, try, try to stick with it until you get there. Some people get there immediately, and for some people it just takes a while. It is, it, it is kind of a particular thing. Um, so if, if probability is giving you a lot of trouble when you're first starting out, I think maybe some of the statistics courses you probably have uh, a little bit of probability in the intro for those courses. Uh, kind of maybe like the first month of classes is, is focused on probability and you solve lots of these, you know, coin flipping and, and uh, you know, dice and, and cards and uh, all those sorts of problems and you're often wondering like, what is this? Like, is this applicable to anything? Um, in fact it is, uh, but you gotta, you gotta start off with those, uh, I call them simple, but maybe they're not that simple. Uh, you gotta start off with those fairly simplistic scenarios uh, to, to be able to just understand how probability works 
before you can get into something that's, that's significantly more advanced and more applicable to real world things. Okay, uh, I am running out of time, I can't believe this. <laughs> um, okay, so the things that I marked on here as VEs, I mentioned these before, but you know, macro, micro, econ, uh, make sure you take those, corporate finance and statistics, you'll, you'll, you will need those. Um, programming. Um, programming is one of those subtle things that you don't really imagine is gonna be necessary in the business world. It is one of the best skills you could have. Uh, it looks fantastic on a resume. Um, try to go for actual object-oriented programming if you if you have that available to you. Uh, those are you know mostly people who are like in engineering programs, CS programs, uh, and so forth. Do that stuff. It's really really useful. Um, you cannot imagine how much that can help you just make your work really really efficient um, as you as you're trying to do more work and you, you're trying to do more complicated things with your work. Programming can be a, a, an unbelievably valuable asset. Um, okay, accounting is a good one. Um, not necessarily because you work a lot with accounting, but many, many, many things in, uh, in actuarial work depend on accounting rules. There are rules that the IRS sets and we have to follow. So it, it's very good to, uh, to have a pretty thorough understanding of how accounting works. Now you don't need to uh, I personally took two, two accounting classes, uh, and that's all I needed. I, I feel pretty comfortable uh, with my accounting knowledge. Uh, now, I do come from a family of accountants. Both my mom and my sister are accountants, so maybe I've been exposed to it a little bit more than most people. But uh, those, those two basic classes, you know, your, your accounting 101 and 102, uh, are usually pretty, pretty good for you to get a background and, and understand a little bit of how accounting works and why it's relevant. Um, Okay, and the last thing that is going to be very, very important, particularly if you're going to do something similar to what I do, which is consulting, make sure you take a writing class. Professional writing is so important. It's really, I, I couldn't believe it, but just recently I was talking to uh, some, of our, um, some of our consultants in the firm, and they tell me that sometimes they hire people who are you know, in their early 20s, right out of school or still in school, and they don't know how to write without contractions. They don't know how to you know, spell words, the whole word. Um, because we text so much, we, you know, like most of our written work goes on Facebook. Um, you know, try to get your, your writing to look professional. You need to use full words, you need to be polite, you need to be courteous uh, when you're writing things, but you also need to be concise. And that's very, very important. Okay, nobody likes to get emails from their actuary that go for pages. Uh, you, you need to be concise and explain something in simple terms um, so that your client can understand what you're doing and what you need from them, okay? And what you can do for them. Um, okay, another good one is uh, just, just a regular speech class. Uh, just just try, to, try to understand that you know, your presentation skills are important regardless of if you become an actuary or not most likely in your career you'll have to present things to people. Uh, it's, it's something that you wanna get a little bit of practice on. Uh, I personally, this, this has been the one area that I've struggled with the most in my career. Uh, I took one speech class in college and I hated it. It was, it was probably the worst class I've ever taken. Uh, it was just excruciating. Uh, literally all we did all semester was to make each other nervous. Uh, so if you, if you take a speech class, please don't do that with it. 
Uh, tr just try to get comfortable, okay? Um, okay, how much more do I have to go? Um, okay, so actually I talked a little bit about how to prepare for the exams. Uh, I would say, you know, for the first two exams, try to just rely on textbooks. Um, if, you, if you need to take workshops for your first two exams, that's gonna be very expensive. Um, I think I've, you know, kind of definitely paid upwards of $1,000 for a workshop. It, it counts. Uh, books are usually a couple hundred dollars. Um, the exams themselves usually cost about $300. Uh, it depends on the actual exam, but you know, that, that's probably a, a, a pretty good average number. Um, student gets, uh, all students get uh, discounts, which is really good. And if you're a minority, I think you can actually get the, the whole fee waived, um, which is really nice. Um, for the more advanced exams, I definitely recommend the, the workshops. They're very, very useful. You kind of, you go and you really immerse yourself in the, in the topic for about three to five days. Um, and they're, they're very, a very efficient way of studying a lot in a very short amount of time. Um, okay, now I, I know sometimes the, these numbers kind of scare people, but on average, they say to allow about 100 hours of study time per hour of exam. So most of the exams are three hours or three and a half hours. Uh, so you'll need to study about you know, 300 to 350 hours uh, to pass one of these exams. Um, what I tell people is when you're studying for an exam, you need to know how to do everything on the exam and then take another six weeks to study. Um, you need to get really, really good at doing the things that you need to do in the exam because you have to do them very quickly. Um, so they're, they're, they're pretty hard exams, <laughs> um, but keep at it. You know, give yourself enough time uh, and you, you know, if, if you're really committed to it, you will get there. Um, I know plenty of people who, you know, I failed exams. Uh, most of the people that I know who work in this industry have failed plenty of exams. Uh, the point is to, ju to just keep at it and be determined. Um, okay, internships are very important. Um, and uh, you know, ev everyone does internships. Uh, try to just talk to people you know, if you have career fairs, if you have any um, actuarial clubs, info sessions, any, any, any situation in which you can interact with an actuary will probably be beneficial in the long term. Now, we're not all, always all looking for interns, um, but very likely you'll find that actuarial internships, if you have a, one or two exams passed, they're pretty easy to get. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort. Uh, from, the, from the perspective of a, of, a, of a company that's looking to hire uh, actuaries that will perform well at their job, internships are a really cheap way to find out if someone is going to perform at their job or not. Go ahead. I have a question about your actuary thing. Is that something where you have to renew every five years or something to that effect, or is it a common practice? So um, the, qu the question was whether or not you kind of have to review, uh, renew your certification every once in a while. Uh, it's not really the way it works. You get the certification, but then you do have to uh, put up some uh, continuing education credits. So particularly, you just have to kind of keep up with the business. And uh, you know, there are people who've been working as an actuary for 30 years, and back when they started, they didn't have computers, basically. So those people gotta make sure that they know how to use computers. Uh, you know, so, so you, you gotta keep up with the business, uh, essentially. But uh, you, don't, um, yeah, you don't lose your certification after a certain number of years or, uh, or something like that. Okay, um, so just talk to actuaries, okay? They're, they're nice people. Um, okay.
These are some other resources uh, that you can that you can look into. I'll leave them up for for a little while. Be an actuary is uh, has a lot of lot of information. SOA and CAS are the two organizations that uh, certify actuaries in the U.S. Um, there are a lot of YouTube channels that talk about um, actuarial work and and you know what what actuaries do, um, and those are pretty interesting. A lot of schools actually sponsor them. Uh, and I recently uh, found this <laughs> MJ the student actuary. He's a South African guy. Uh, he has these really cute videos that explain a lot about actuarial work, actually. Um, so, you know, those are those are really great things to kind of do a little research um, on. And don't don't be shy about talking to your professors. Your professors can help you so much. They're they're going to know what your strengths are already, which is really good. Um, because most people, if you just meet them, you know, for for a half an hour and you talk to them a little bit, they're not going to know what you're good at and what you're not so good at, and they're going to have a hard time recommending something specifically for you. But your professors know those things. Okay. All right. So, does anyone have any any uh, outstanding questions? I know we're really I'm I'm just about two minutes over time actually. Between um, insurance and consultant, for example, if you pass, uh, I, I know right now they require four exam in order to get an actual job. So um, when you get into the company, will the company allow you some certain hours of time to study um, to get more? Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. So actually, um, almost all all companies that hire actuaries have an actuarial study program. Uh, and what they do is they usually allow you a certain amount of hours that you can uh, just just spend during your workday preparing for the exams. They'll pay for your uh, exam materials most of the time. They'll pay for those expensive um, seminars. Uh, there are also online seminars, which also tend to be pretty expensive. Um, so if if you need a little bit more help uh, trying to make your studying efficient and not just you know sitting on your own with a book. Uh, a lot of those things are available to people who work in insurance companies and consulting companies. Um, yeah, you, you do get a lot of support. And then another really good thing is if, if you know a lot of people who have gone through the exams recently, they'll also be a really good uh, resource. <laughs>